He says the podcast is rolling. We're going to talk today about priorities. Priorities. Where your priorities are at. Priorities, I'm going to start off by giving the definition. Can you hear me? Definition of priorities is a thing that is regarded as more important than another, or the fact or condition of being regarded or treated as more important. Uh, Matthew 6.33 starts off, it says, but seek ye first. It talks about all the things that we need in the physical world, right? Our, our clo- food, clothing, shelter, water, all those things, all the physical needs that we need. But it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, right? So it starts off, it's a promise of provisions for the ones who put God first, right? You got to put God, y'all going to be dead all day long today? No. If you put God first, he's promised provisions. If we put God first and above all else, Matthew 22, 36 through 39 says this. Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? He's talking to Jesus here. And 37 says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That sounds like a priority right there, doesn't it? The first, the top number one thing that Jesus said to do is love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, right? Come on. This is the first and great commandment. The very, the, very fir- the very first most important thing that you should do is that right there. And 39 says, <clears throat> and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the Bible is crystal clear on priorities here, right? In Matthew 6.33, it says, you put God first, you gain provision. Is that not what it said? Let's just sums it up. If you put God first, he supplies what you need. That's your provision. He's your source for everything if you put him first. Not if, you put the, not if you put the material things that you need first, but if you put him first, he, he, you gain provision. And in Matthew 22, 30, 36 through 39, it says, you love God and you love your neighbor. You love God first, put God first and your neighbor second or people second, right? That's your priorities. That's the order of priorities. God first, our people second, our family second. Most Christians would agree that God's number one, right? Most Christians would agree that family's number two. Your spouse first and then your kids, right? Your family's number two. Most Christians would agree that their church life would be number three, right? But for most of us, that's lip service because we don't live it. We don't live it in that way. We put things in front of God all the time. Good intentions don't benefit you or your family. We might have good intentions and we believe that's right, but do we live that way? Because those good intentions don't benefit you or your family. They don't benefit anybody. Priorities demonstrate values. And those values we pass on to our children. So if we give priority to God, we value God. Does that make sense? If we give priority to anything else more than God, then we value that thing more than God. It could be family. It could be a job. It could be money. It could be hobby. It could be sports. It could be a boyfriend or girlfriend. If they don't love God, kick them to the curb too. Are you following me? Young people, what are your priorities at? What's the most important thing to you right now? It, it could be an education. It could be getting a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a spouse. It could be an education. Any, Anthony's making funny faces at me. It could be any of those things, though. People put, but, but think about it. Hypocrisy is speaking something that you're unwilling to live. Church, what are we saying all the time? We're constantly inviting people to church, inviting them out, tell them how we believe in God and God's our number one priority, but are we willing to live it? Are we really, living to, are we really willing to live right there? Most of us are hypocritical when it comes to our priorities because we say one thing, yet we do another thing, right? Much of the disappointment and disharmony that we have in our lives comes from, this, comes from the fruit of sin. Our priorities are causing us to sin. I'm going to show you this in Scripture today. An example is a man says he loves his wife, right? 
but he chooses work or sports above her. How's that going to pay off for him? It's not going to be very well, is it, Brother Lloyd? Not going to be good at all. Another example is parents say they love their kids, but they allow, uh, they, they allow their kids to be crowded out by something less important. Parents, how's that look for us when we let that happen? It doesn't work very good for us. Our kids act out. They get in trouble. They do things. That they're going to get attention one way or the other. Most kids will, right? And we don't want to give them the negative attention, so we, we, we should love on them all the time. We say we love God. Another example is we say we love God, but we're unwilling to sacrifice to give him worship or service, to serve him. He's called many of you into service for him. This means yes, he has. He's called all of you all into service to do something for him, whether it's to work in the local church. It may not to be pastor to pastor or be the bishop or anything like that, but, but he's called all of us to do something. And we're unwilling to sacrifice to step out into those jobs so many times to serve him. Maybe it's just to pray for somebody. Maybe it's to talk to somebody. Maybe it's to clean the house, right? Maybe it's to cut the grass. But if you're unwilling to sacrifice because you're just too busy to do whatever God's spoken to you to do, that's not a good place to be in. Not a good place to be in at all. This is hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy when we do that because we say that God's number one, yet we don't show that God's number one. We value something else more than our relationship with him. Isn't that essentially what we're doing? Anytime we say that God's number one, but Billy's about got a ball game and I got to do that rather than serve him in the way he called me to serve. Isn't that hypocrisy? That's what hypocrisy is. By saying something that we're unwilling to live. What are we teaching our children? Oh, I knew it was going to be quiet today. I knew it was going to get quiet right there. What are we teaching our children? When, when we're living in hypocrisy, when we're unwilling to live the things that we say we believe in, what are we, what are we passing down to the next generation? What are we teaching to our children? It's no wonder that the world thinks that the church is full of hypocrites. Because we are. We're all guilty of it from time to time. Some of us more than others. I struggle with it all the time. I want to put God first, but I get busy with, with life. Life happens. But we've got to prioritize, church. We have to prioritize. So no wonder they value, no wonder our children, we look at them and, and they're more worried about getting a girlfriend and going on a date on Saturday night than they are showing up to church on Sunday morning. It's no wonder that our kids want to play a video game or drive a car more than they want to come to the house of God, more than they want to pray before meals. It's no wonder that they're more worried about what education they're going to get, what college they're going to go to, right? Who's going to be the quarterback of the football team this year? How much money they're going to be able to make when they get out of school? It's no wonder they're focused on those things when we don't put God first. We're pouring it directly into them, church. Directly into them. They put all these things ahead of God. They value them more than God. And I'm not just picking on you young people today because all the adults are doing the same thing. That's where you learned it at. You got it directly from us. When God looks at our priorities, his attention is not on what we say. All of us would say God's number one. God's got to be the top priority, right? No one would disagree with that, right? Our spouse has to be second. Our kids have to be third. The job, the money, the sports, all those things are somewhere else down the line, right? We would all agree with that. But, but when God looks at our priorities, his attention is not on what we say. It's not even on what we believe because we all believe that. But his attention is on what we do, what we do, how we carry it out. When God sees us put him first, he knows we value him. And when he knows we value him, he blesses us. It's the same with your spouse. When your spouse sees, when my spouse sees me put her second right underneath God, first most important thing to me in the world, guess what? She blesses me. 
She does great things for me. It pays off for you to put your spouse ahead of your children, ahead of your job. It pays off for you to put God to put, put God ahead of that because you're going to be blessed from those relationships. If you don't do those things, you're not going to be blessed in those relationships. Right? It's as simple as that. Matthew 21, 28 through 32 says this. But what do you think? A man who had two sons and came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not, but afterward regretted it and went. Think about this now. He went to his first son and he said, Jacob, go work down in the vineyard today for me. And he said, I'm not going to do that, Dad. I'm not going to do it. But then later on he felt bad. I shouldn't have talked to my dad that way. I was wrong for saying that. I'm going to go down there and do what he asked me to do. Right? So the second one says, Then he came to the second and said likewise, and he answered and said, I go, sir, but he did not go. So he came to the second one and said, go down to my vineyard and work today. I need this done down there. Get it done for me. And he said, I'll, go, I'll be right on that. I'm gonna, as soon as I get my shoes on and have my coffee, I'm heading down there. But then he never shows up. Which of the two did the will of the Father? Which of the two? And the, he was talking to the Sanhedrin. He was talking to the Sadducees and Pharisees, Jesus was, when he was talking about this. They said to him, the first. So they answered correctly. Jesus said to them, assuredly, I say to you that, that tax collectors and the harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. So he's talking to the church here. He's talking to the church. And he says the sinners that live outside the church are going to enter heaven before you do. Because here's why. Come on, sis. For John came to you in the way of righteousness. So the preacher came and preached to you, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed in him and went... And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. So the church leaders said no. They the church leaders said they would go do God's work. The church leaders said they would step out in that calling. Are you following me? They'd step out in the ministry. They'll do what God's called them to do. They claimed that they would do this, but yet they didn't. They withdraw. They withdrew from God. They didn't do what what His command said. And sinners said with their actions that no one. It didn't say anywhere in the Bible that the sinners said the tax collector said he wouldn't do it. But with their actions. Right? What they're doing, they said they wouldn't do what God called them to do. But when they heard the truth, they did it. Church, which one are we? Which one are we? We're sitting in the church today claiming that we're Christians, telling everybody and the brother that we're Christians, inviting them down here. Yet they don't see us put God first. Where are we at in that equation right there? He says the sinners will enter heaven before you do. Sinners will enter heaven before I do. When God sees us uh, reprioritize, we, we, we may have started off with God up here at the top. We may have started off with our priorities all right. God at the top, our kids, our, our, our wife, I mean, our kids and, and, and our job and all that stuff down below that. We may have started off like that. But when God sees us reprioritize, we devalue him. Are you following? We start off that way, but pretty soon our job slips into that spot. It happens a lot of times without us even noticing it. But when that happens, you must realize that you, you are devaluing God. If you put your children above that top spot of God, if you put your kids' sports above that top spot of God, you're devaluing God. You're saying, God, you're worth less than whatever this is. Whatever I'm plugging into my number one spot, you're worth less than this. If it's a hobby, whatever it may be, if you put anything in front of God, he views that as an idol. Does he not? That's an idol in the Lord's eyes. Even though he loves us, he will not bless the life that's practicing adultery. Idolatry is a sin, right? Wasn't it one of the first commandments that he gave? It was one of the original ten. Have no other gods before you. 
That's idolatry when you do. And it seems so simple because we don't worship a golden calf. We don't look at those things that, that we, we can look at the Bible and say, well, that was silly that they did that, right? It was silly that they took all of the gold that God, not all of it, but part of the gold that God had them plunder out of Egypt, and they made a golden calf. out. Who would worship a golden calf? Who would worship a Corvette? Who would worship their children? When we think about it, when we, we know that our children are less than God's, but when we put them above God, we're devaluing God. And causing them to be more, more valuable to him. That's idolatry. That's idolatry, whatever it is. In Genesis 2.24, it says, A man will leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife. Below God, that wife has to be the second priority. Right? right? Second, second thing in your, on your priority list is that. It doesn't mean that you forsake or neglect your parents. Right? doesn't mean I have to forsake or neglect my vet. Or whatever, you, you fill in the blank, whatever it is for you, it just means God's first. You're, I'm beating this to death, right? I know. I want you to understand this. I want you to get this. God has to be first. My wife, my kids, then my hobbies, then my job. It, not necessarily in that order, but the top three got to be in that order. The rest of them are down the line somewhere. So it doesn't mean you, for, you forsake your parents. Just because, just because you, I'm trying to get you to get this. You don't have to, I don't have to not own that car. I don't have to not have a job. I just have to get the other things in order. I just have to have the other things first. Are you following me? So you don't forsake your parents. You don't neglect your parents. If they need help, you go help your parents. But your spouse is before your parents. Your spouse is before your, is before your, your, your children. Your priorities must be God first, your marriage second. If you don't get it like that right there, guess what happens? You have jealousy with God and your spouse. You have hurt feelings with God and your spouse. Your kids grow up. And your kids are going to grow up. They're going to leave. The reason your kids are second, your kids are going to grow up. They're going to leave. And, and it's going to be you and your spouse. That's who's going to be left standing. Are you following me? And if you put them first all these years, when you and your spouse are left standing there at the end, you're going to have issues. There's going to be problems. You may not even know each other. You may not even like each other. You've got to prioritize. We have to get our priorities straight. The importance of priorities cannot be overstated or underestimated. That's why I'm beating this to death today can't be overstated or underestimated. Children are third, and it's important that they know that they're third. After we watched this video on Wednesday night, I went home. First thing I said when I walked in the door, I said, Caleb, my marriage is more important than you are. And he said, well, I guess that's all right as long as you don't get mad. <laughs> Caleb's an awesome kid if you all don't know him. So he, he, I didn't mean to embarrass your son. My wife's giving me a funny look. I didn't mean to embarrass him, but, but that's, that's what happens. So your kids need to know that they're, fir- that they're third. And it's not to pick at them or to be mean to them, but it helps keep them in check. If your kids think they get up there in second or first spot, guess what happens? They test those other relationships. They do. All of you all have seen kids do it. Well, if mom don't give me what I want, I'm going to go to dad, and I'm going to play them against each other, and I'm going to get them in conflict. But if they know that your marriage is second in line only to God, then you're going to be on the same page. You're going to be on the same team. You're going to communicate. You're going to talk to each other, Right? doesn't matter what my son or daughter says. I'm going to talk to my wife, and what she says is over what they say. Are you following me? So they have to be a third, and they need to know it because it keeps them in check. It also gives them stability. It gives them stability because they have, it gives them structure. It also gives them, it helps develop them by leading by example. Because when I treat my wife as second, guess what? Caleb's learning he needs to treat his wife as second. Katie's learning her husband needs to treat her as second. 
And if they're not a Christian, they're probably not going to do that. If they don't, they can call themselves a Christian even. But if their priorities aren't straight, they're probably not going to do that. Are you following me? I see so many men, especially men, get involved with their jobs. And their job takes over the place of their family. Takes over the place of God. Ladies are nodding now. Ladies, you all do the same thing, just in, different, just in a different area. We all do it. Ladies, you all get your children in front of your husband a lot. You get your children in front of God a lot. I'm not saying that to pick at anybody, but we need to think about what we're doing. We need to think about what we're doing. These kids, we need to develop, to develop them. So, so I think of my kids like this, and, we, and I think we all should look at our kids like this. We're raising our children to be someone's spouse. Every one of them are going to be married to some. It, this is temporary. They're going to live in my house for 18 or 20 years or 25 years if you're Katie. <laughs> and that's great because we love her and we're trying to help her. We're trying to get her set up, but, but we're raising them. Uh, that was a joke, but the point is we're raising them to be someone's spouse. And whatever we pour into them spiritually, when we pour, when we pour our values into them, we pour our priorities into them, they're going to carry that onto their marriage. They're going to carry that on into their life. So it's important that, we, that we're a role model them and that they know they're first. So, so raising kids isn't just 18 years. It's not just food, water, and shelter. A lot of, so many people think that, well, I pay child support, so that's all I got to do. Or even if they live into my house, well, I go to work and I provide for them, so that's all they got to do. They got no shoes on their feet. They got food in their belly. They got a bedroom. They got all kinds of toys in there. They got, they got four-wheelers and, and what have you. But that's it. That's all I got to provide for them. I'm a good dad because of that. Or I'm a good mom because of that. You all know what I'm talking about. You all have seen these relationships before, right? It's not just about that. It's about an inheritance. And when I say inheritance, your mind automatically goes to money. And money is an inheritance. But you have to learn how to be a steward over that money. You also have to be spiritual as an inheritance. If you're a spiritual person, you can inherit that from your parents, your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles, right? Your neighbors, you can inherit this from anybody. Spiritual, emotional, you're going to inherit things emotionally, right? It's going to be passed down from you. It was passed down from your parents, from your grandparents. It was passed down. It'll go from you. It'll go through my generation into my kids' generation. It'll go from them. It'll go into my grandkids, into that generation. Are you following me? Into my great-grandkids. All these things that we're talking about, my priorities affect all these things. They even affect the money. My priorities even affect the money. Being a steward over those things affects those things. And if my priorities aren't right, I'm not going to be blessed of God. So tell me that doesn't affect your cash flow. Whether you have blessing from God or whether you don't have blessing from God is going to immediately, or, or, or I mean not immediately, but directly impact your cash flow. Children who feel unloved and rejected by their parents have much greater problems. It amplifies the problems they have. Does that make sense to you? If they feel unloved, and you don't have to say you don't love them. You don't have to beat your kids or abuse them to make them feel unloved. If you're just not putting them in that priority spot where they need to be. If you're edging them out by your job, by your work, by your hobby. If you'd rather play golf than spend time with your son. And I realize there's days you're going to want to play golf instead of spend time with your son. Whatever your hobby might be. Mine's shooting guns and, and, and old cars. I love old cars. I love guns. But if I would rather do those things and I put them in place of my kids, are you following me? They could feel unloved. They could feel rejected because, well, he cares more about that than he cares about me. Yeah. She'd rather do this and hang out with her girlfriends and go to a wine tasting than hang out with me. Are you following me? Yeah. It's the things that we do. It's the choices we make. So, so they have much greater problems. It causes more heartache in their life as well as in their lives, the lives of people around them. Are you following me? 
You all know what I'm talking about, generational curses. When I pass this down to my kids, if I pass it down to Katie and she takes it into her marriage, then it's going to cause issues there. It's going to cause heartache with her husband. It's going to cause heartache with her children. It's going to cause heartache with the people around her. Then those kids are going to learn those same values, and it's going to cause heartache with their kids and with their kids and with their kids and so on. Does that make sense to you all? So if they feel unloved or unrejected, same thing same way with your spouse, right? If, you, if your spouse feels unloved or unrejected, it's going to cause greater problems. It's going to cause heartache. We have to make a conscious effort to, put our, get, to get our values in line, in line, our priorities in line. A conscious effort. At my house, we have a family night. We used to do it four or five years ago. I think Grace wasn't born yet, so maybe it was a little further than that. Um, but what we do is we put jobs in a hat. We have a little service every, on these nights that we do. We've been doing it on Thursday nights at our house. We just started doing it three or four weeks ago again, and it's great. The kids love it. So we, we put song in the hat on a piece of paper. We put, we put prayer. We put the word. We put an activity and a game, a, a snack, an activity and a snack. So they, then they get to choose these things, and each kid gets to pick a Bible story, and they bring it, or they'll bring some verses from the Bible, or they'll bring a song. So we start off, and the, first, and the person who has the prayer, they pray, they pray at dinner. They, they have prayer for that day. So they pray at dinner, and they, and they pray before the service, and they pray before we have the snack. Then we do the song, and we all sit there as a family, and we sing it together. And it doesn't have to sound great. It's a joyful noise to God, right? So we sing that song together. It's a conscious effort about what we're doing for our kids, about, about what we're doing to make them feel loved and like we're part of this thing as a family. Sit down and eat dinner with your family. So we do the song. Then, the, then who, whichever child has the word, they come and they do the word, right? And then we do, we do the activity. And we, it's usually some kind of a game or something they make up. And it's, it's I mean, they put uh, pieces of paper on uh, paint sticks the other day and we played like tennis in the living room with, with balloons. Just silly little things. But it's stuff you can do with your kids that, that makes them feel like they're a part of something. It makes them feel like they're loved. And then we have the snack afterwards. So, so that's just what we do. But I'm, I'm urging the church to make a conscious effort with your spouse. Date your wife still, guys. Invite her out on a date. Not invite her. Ask her out on a date still. Act like you're still courting her. Act like you don't know she's going to be there tomorrow. Right? Don't take her for granted. Ladies do the same. Don't take him for granted. Make a conscious effort to do this with each other. But... Always put God first. Then those relationships second. So through right priorities, first off, first thing we do is what? Through right priorities, we what? Matthew 6.33, we gain blessing from God. Right? Through right priorities, in Matthew 6.33, it teaches we, we gain blessing from God. The second thing that happens is we teach our children. When we have right priorities, we pass it down. What are you passing down to your kids? You're passing down blessings from God, right? You want your kids to be happy. You want your kids to be healthy. You want your kids to have provision. Why wouldn't you pass them down blessing from God? What's going to make you more happy or, or more healthy? God has healing. God's our supply for everything. He's our provision. Why wouldn't you pass that down to them? By having your priorities in line. Right priorities promote health and growth in, in the most important areas of our life. The most important things of our life, they promote health and growth. So wrong priorities prohibit health and growth. Then would you say that's true? Yeah. Wrong priorities prohibit health and growth. So I was at the altar Thursday, and, and I was right over here somewhere, and I had to ask God to forgive me because I realized my priorities were out of whack. And I had to ask God to forgive me for not loving him enough. And the Spirit quickened me to say that to God, for not loving you enough, God. And that's the truth of the matter. But that was a very humbling experience for me to say to God that I haven't loved you enough 
to put you first on my priority list. Ask yourself today, have you loved God enough? Have you not loved him enough to put him first on your priority list? So I had to, I had to say this to him, and I had to say I was sorry, and, and I, had to, I had to repent, and I had to tell him I want to do better. First I found myself telling him I want to do better, and I said, no, God, I'm not, I don't want to do better. I'm going to do better because I can want to do all I, want to do, all, all I want, but until I do something with it, it means nothing, just like those two sons. It doesn't mean anything what's in your mind or what you're thinking, but it's what you do. We have to put him first. I'm going to do better in this, in, in this, in this area. I'm going to put him first. So I ask him to help me to be better. I ask him to help me better, be better at that because I'm not perfect and I can't be perfect on my own. I need God. So I ask him to help me be a better servant for him. Right? I want to do this job better as a pastor. I want to be better at this pastoring job, Lord. I want to serve people better. I want to step out in everything that you want me to do, Lord. This is what I want to do. Help me be a better servant for you. Help me be a better husband for my wife. I don't know how I can really do that much, but. (laughs) Help me be a better servant for your wife. Um, Help me be a better dad for my kids. Are you following me? If you ask God to help you do these things, he will. Help you be a better steward of your finances. These things, the finances are temporary, right? The other three things I'm talking about, they're for eternity. And you're a steward over all these things. You're a steward over your finances. You're a steward over your kids. You're a steward over your wife. You think you're not a steward over your wife, men? Check this out. Ephesians 5.20 says to present her spotless and blameless, holy and acceptable unto God. Now, if I'm supposed to present this woman right here spotless and blameless to God, do you think I'm not a steward over her? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a steward over my, I'm a steward over my spouse as the man of the house. I'm a steward over my children. I'm a steward over the finances. It all belongs to God. He gave them to me. He gave them to me. So, Lord, help me to be better with them. Help me to be the way you want me to be with them. Everything else pales in comparison to these relationships right here. When we have them in order, everything else pales in comparison. And these things are for eternity. Are you following me? The stewardship that I have with my wife, that's for eternity. We're going to heaven. She's going to heaven. She lives forever. Do you realize that? We live forever? Spiritually speaking, I'm talking about. Your spirit, your, this body's going to die, but your spirit and your soul are going to live forever. Caleb's going to live forever. So what I pour into him spiritually is going to affect him for eternity. It's not just 18 years. It's not just this little drop in the bucket piece of time that I have when he's in my house. But it's for eternity. It's either heaven or hell for him. Folks, we're pouring into these kids. all. Even if you don't have any kids, they look up to you all in the church even. You have nieces and nephews and, and, and grandkids and all these things, and they all look up to you. Where are your priorities at? What are you teaching them with your priorities? They see what you're doing first. They see what's most, you can say it with your mouth all you want, but they see what's most important with you. They can tell what's most important, not with just you. I'm not, I'm not speaking down to you. I'm talking about myself too. Saturday morning at 4.50 in the morning, the Spirit spoke to me. I had just called into work. I said, not going to be there today. And it's a personal reason, I'm not even going to tell you why. So I wanted to sleep a little longer than I wanted to get up and spend some time with God. But however, I was trying to go back to sleep, and the Spirit spoke to me, and he got me out of the bed on my knees to pray beside the bed. There was no more sleeping right then for me. And, and, and he spoke to me this, and I felt when he spoke to me, I knew it was important that I say this here today because someone's struggling from this. But he said, alcohol is an idol. Somebody here today is struggling with alcohol. I don't know who you are or what the deal is. But God spoke this to me to bring here today. Alcohol is an idol. Anything you get before, because if you're drinking alcohol, you know what the Bible says about alcohol. You know where we're supposed to be at with it. And I'm not preaching about any one sin. But anything that you put above God, anything you value more than him, 
and being in his calling and the way he, what, what he's called you out to do, anything he's checked you on, when you, when, you, when you value that more than him, it's an idol. So he said alcohol is an idol. So before this, I had plans for the day, right? Even though I'd repented on Wednesday, I'd already backed up in my, and, and I was figuring things out on my own. You all know that you do this too, right? I'm not the only one, I hope. But we have to continue to repent and we have to continue to get better with this. So, so my plan was to get up and fix the header on my car. I've got one driver's side header that's hitting the steering linkage on my car and it was hitting the firewall. And I wanted to get up and tweak that thing around a little bit and I wanted to fix that. And I, I had some stuff on my boat that I wanted to take care of and I, I wanted to get it ready to go to the water when I decided to go to the water. You follow me? Yeah. You all got lists like this stuff you want to, you want to accomplish too, right? I want to do this with my day off. I want to have time with my family, right? And then I was going to spend some time with God and then I was going to work on my sermon for the day. I was going to, I was going to work on finalizing some of this stuff here. So um, instead, when I was down there on my knees, when God told me alcohol was an idol, all these things could be idols too if I get them in front of him. So, so the first thing I did was I prayed to God. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Where do you want me to go? Wh- who do you want me to talk to? What do you want me to say? Instead of asking him to bless my plan. Are you following me? That's the first thing the Spirit quickened me to do. So I did that. And so I spent time with God. And then, and then I came to the church and I, and I spent time with God here. And I, and I sat here and I waited to hear from him. And he gave me a lot of good stuff. You're going to hear some more of it here in a minute. But then I, then I spent time with my family, right? And then I came back after I spent some time with my family and I, and I worked on a message some more. And then I went back home about 10 o'clock last night and I worked on the header on that car. Are you following me? My priorities. He straightened my priorities out for me when I asked him to. And he'll straighten you out for if you ask him to. He'll straighten your priorities out if you ask him to. If you genuinely mean it. Lord, if there's anything above you, please purge it out of me. I don't Take this thing away from me. I don't even want to have this boat. I don't even want to have this car if, 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 it, if it comes between you and my salvation. I mean, me and my salvation, if it comes between our relationship, God, just, just purge it out of me. Take that desire away from me. And he'll do that for you. Sometimes it's painful when he does it, but he will do that for you. So God is love. God is patient. He wants to reconcile. He wants to reconcile. So he wants to reconcile us back to him. God is love. John, 1 John 4, 8. She doesn't have it back there. But 1 John 4, 8 says God is love, right? In 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. I just want to show you something about God here. 13, 4 through 7. And I had Brenda type this or I asked Brenda to type this out of the voice Bible today because it gives a lot of clarity to it. It says, love is patient. This is what love is. And the Bible says God is love. So this is God right here, right? So can we say God is patient? God is kind. God isn't envious. God doesn't boast, brag, or strut about. He's not looking to keep scores. He's not looking to tally scores when you got your priorities messed up. He just wants you to come back to him and repent. He wants to forgive you. He wants to restore you. He wants to be back in number one spot. Look at how the whole Bible went. When Israel listened to God, when they put him first priority, they prospered. Did they not? Most powerful nation on the earth. People still don't want to mess with that little bitty sliver of Israel, little bitty piece of land. They still don't want to fool with that place. Because when they're living right, God's on their side. Are you following me? I share these scriptures in every marriage council that I do to tell people what love really is. It is an arrogant... Uh, there's no arrogance in love. It's never rude, crude, or indecent. It's not self-absorbed. God isn't easily upset. God doesn't tally wrongs or celebrate injustice, but truth. Yes, truth is love's delight, or is God's delight, right? God puts up with anything and everything. He does. Look at me. (laughs) 
He puts up with anything and everything that comes along. It trusts, he trusts, he hopes, and he endures. No matter what, no matter what, God's still waiting right there for you to get your priorities straight again. For you to put him back in the top spot. Church, will you do that today? Young people, will you do that today? I'm going to give you the opportunity a little bit. So, so he wants to restore us. It's just like the prodigal son. Do you think that's just a cute story they put in the Bible? The prodigal son, what happened? The son wanted half of his inheritance. He left home. He spent it on riotous living, right? Drugs and alcohol and friendly women and all the things he spent that money on until it was gone. He found himself feeding pigs, feeding slop to the pigs. He found himself eating out of those same buckets of the slop that he was feeding the pigs. And he realized one day, my father's servants have it much better than this. I'll just go back and ask my dad if I can just be his servant, if I can just work for him. Y'all know the story, right? And he went back, and his dad saw him coming from a ways off. And you know what he did? He ran out, and he met him, and he hugged him. He was ready to be reconciled with that son. It's a picture of God. He hugged him. He didn't just make him a servant, though, and just give him some bread and whatever. He didn't do that. He gave him clothes. I believe they were fine clothes, nice clothes. He gave him a feast. He said, kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a party. My son who was gone is home. Just like what happens in heaven when we come back. My son, is, my son is home, and, and he went so far as said, put a ring on his finger. Put some jewels on his finger. Dress him up a little bit. He's my son. This is how God feels about us. Just because your priorities have been out of whack doesn't mean he won't receive you back today. We have to ask for forgiveness, and then we have to do something. We have to do better. Not ask for forgiveness and think about it. Not ask for forgiveness and believe it and know that I got to do this. But we have to actually do. We have to do something better. Our priorities and everything, if we do better with our priorities, everything else will fall into place. Yeah. It will. Yeah. So many, we complicate this so much, church, because so many times we think, I, I've heard people say, I can't come to church. You don't know what I've done. I've done this and this and that. I've done all these sins. I'm a big sinner, and I do these things, and I'm, I'm actively involved in them. So they stay away from church, and nothing ever changes. They keep, they keep indulging in sin. They keep staying away from church. They indulge in sin. They stay away from church. But if they would come to God... Right? And put him as, our, as their first priority. Guess what happened? Those other things will fall off. Amen. God's the one who can clean you up. You can't clean yourself up anyway. There's no way. It's biblical. You cannot clean yourself up. It takes God. So just put him first. Can I have every head bowed at this time? If that's you today and this spoke to you, if you haven't had God as your number one value, your top priority, would you please come to the altar today? Everybody should be down here. I had to be here twice this week over it. Everybody should be down here. If God hasn't been your number one priority, let's make it right with him today. Let's repent today. Today is the day. Let's get it right today. Above anything else. Thank you for this, Father. If you're here today and you don't know God as your personal Savior, if you're not in this relationship with Him I've been talking about, where you have Him first, and you'd like to change that today, you'd like to make God your Savior, you'd like to start this relationship with Him, maybe you've been saved before, but you've been out for a while, and you want to reconcile this today, could I see your hand? I won't call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. Could I see your hand? Thank you for the hand. Thank you for the hand. There's two. Would anybody else be willing to make this commitment today? Anybody? 
All right, guys, can we pray together? If you would, just repeat after me. Father, I'm a sinner. I haven't had you first in my life. That's going to change today. Lord, please forgive me. Live in my heart. I know that Jesus is your son. I know he died for me. I know you rose him from the dead. Please guide me and lead me the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. If we could go ahead and close the prayer. There are people still at the altars. If you're still at the altar praying, that doesn't mean you have to give up. You can stay here if you like. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we love you, Father, and we praise you, Daddy. I pray that you would touch each and every life here today, Lord. I pray that you would, you would give us new revelation from your word today, Father God. I pray that you would cause new commitments to be made right here on this day, Father God. Lord, the commitments that we see through, Lord, that we do something with them, Father God, not just say them and continue into what we've been doing, Father, but Lord, we value you far above each and exceedingly far and above each and everything in our life, Father God. And we would see the favor from that, Lord, just like Joseph, Lord, the favor that came from him, Lord, because he valued you above everything, Lord. We thank you for this, Daddy, and we praise you for this, Father. Please have your way in this day, Lord. Keep us safe until our next appointed time, Daddy. In Jesus' name we pray these things, Dad. Amen. If you're a teacher today or you're, you're in the youth education, if you would, if you're interested in the Vacation Bible School at all, please stay after. Um, we're going to have a meeting directly after service.